Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to another broadcast of your Faith Matters on Colorful Radio with your ever-smiling host, Sarah Lister. We are broadcasting live from the Africa Center right here in London. As is my custom, let me start with a word of prayer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, as we broadcast your goodness to the whole wide world. Welcome again. And as you know, every week I am joined by an amazing guest who shares with us their journey and how they make their faith matter. Today in the studio right here with me, we're honored to have Kwaku and we're going to talk about God, Africa, the people and the environment. One big favor I ask of you before we start, if you could please invite your contacts to join us, whichever way that you're listening, send them the link and we'll be able to, be, they can be part of this conversation. To reach me, you can send me text or WhatsApp message on 07931-142755 and for my abroad listeners, it's 0044-7931-142755. So, if you prefer emails, I know some of you do, go to www.colorfulradio.com and click the button that says email me and I'll get your email right here in the studio. Before I invite Quirky to join us, let me read his very brief bio. Quirky is a UK-based history and music industry consultant. He's the initiator of British Black Music Month and UK coordinator of Interreggae Intern. International Reggae Day. He's an occasional journalist and former columnist for several music publications, including Billboard. I, I know that was a big one. Quirko writes and delivers programs on African British history and black music. Quirko, welcome to Colorful Radio. Sarah, thanks a lot. That's a really brief bio. <laughs> Well, I think it's more about what I do than myself. As a writer, I'm at ease writing about other people than about writing about myself. So there you go. Okay, I think I'm probably going to write your bio then after this. Thank you. Because I know the conversation we've had of air is very, very broad. Indeed. And I've titled this um, God, Africa, the people and the environment. And I think it's interesting the impact other people have on you and the impact my guests have on me. Okay. Because having you somehow, I don't know, has changed my consciousness of what Africa is. People, so I always say people, oh, Africa is a big place, we say. But just being with you has almost brought me something about, we're going to talk about Africa, the people. Indeed, indeed. Not Africa, the continent. Yeah, Africa, the continent, uh, I want to marginalize us, but, lim- but, but limits us because Africa is not the 55 or 54 countries on that continent. It's about our situation as a global people mm. from India, Papua New Guinea to the southmost of uh, the, the Americas. Yeah. So I talk in terms of global Africa. I love it. And you know something? You just changed something completely as far as I'm concerned. I know, isn't it amazing? (laughs) And I think for my listeners, think about Africa the people, not Africa the continent. Mm. Because and I think this is how we what's the word? Limit ourselves. Put a, it's almost like we draw a line and it's almost, we, you must stay within the confines of those lines. And I may be 
Africa as a continent, as we love it, we call it Mother Africa, we somehow limited ourselves as a people. I mean, that is the root. There's no doubt about that. But in fact, we, we are broadcasting from London in Britain. And the language I use, I don't talk about black to describe people of African heritage. I say African. And sometimes people do not understand. And so we have to sort of, to some extent, mitigate it by saying African origin or African descent. And people find it very difficult to say they're African. It's not only those that I call diasporic Africans, but people of continental African heritage because some of those that are born here I was born here even though my accent does not uh, re- re- reveal that but I know I'm African I know I'm Ghanaian and if I don't have to have a connection directly to Africa if your skin is like mine mm-hmm. you should know that your roots are in Africa and once your roots are in Africa you're African let me just say something before we move on mm-hmm. the, there's only one race mm-hmm. there's only one human race we are all of African origin but as of today, with not all of African heritage, there are people of European heritage, people of Asian heritage, but we're all of one, one human race. You seem to be confused there. <laughs> no, I'm not when, confused. You know, I'm looking use, because that's deep, you know. No, concrete. no, people that use is so the, the term, uh, what should I say, African origin. I say it's what they mean, it's not what they mean in the sense that every human being is of African origin. There's no doubt about that. I mean, mm-hmm. the scientists, even the Europeans say the same thing. But where we're at now, we've got different uh, phenotypes and stuff. So if I stand next to a European, you can see just physically that they are different. So we've got different heritages as of now. Mm-hmm. But we're all of one human ra- one race. And maybe the way language, I'm very particular about language, and I think even sometimes our institutions misuse language. The UN has declared 2015 to 2024 as the international decade for people of African descent. And I can argue that everybody against of African descent. And But do, you see, because it's an international group of different countries, there are people like maybe in Southern America or the Caribbean who are not comfortable being called African. So they had to put that descent on, on, on there to sort of make it a bit... Palatable, palatable, you know. So mm-hmm. these things happen. But I'm particular about language. In my environment, I say you have to be comfortable. You're African, or else you know you don't have to be here. I love it. I love it. And um, and and I think these lines we draw, other than seeing Africa, the people, but we see Africa as a continent, and that's why people who maybe high melanin look like you and I believe and have no connection with the actual continent struggle maybe in their minds to see themselves as African but if you say people the, the people the Africa the people mm-hmm. the, the people who originated and you say you're particular about words then it may become more acceptable because I don't think people question their origin but if you, I don't know, your generation's so far removed that you don't even know who it was that came from Africa in the first place, and you don't know anything different, you're like, I've never even been to Africa. Right, but you see, if, let's say, you, my wife is Ghanaian, she's African. Mm-hmm. If we go to China and we have a child in China, does that make that child Chinese? As Malcolm X said, if a, a cat goes into the oven and has some kittens, they don't become biscuits. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, a log in a river does not become a crocodile. It's, got, it's a log in, in a river. So we have, we've still got an issue of identity, mm-hmm. and, and we have to deal with that. So I'm very upfront. Another thing, for example, I do a lot of what I call African history. I don't do black history. I don't do Black History Month. I do African history. So you know that it's about a certain people and their histories. But by doing African history, I'm not precluding non-Africans from, from coming to consume that information. But we have to be unequivocal about what we're talking about. Black history means so much. If you look at black in terms of Britain, we've got a political black. That means anyone that's pretty much non-Anglo-Saxon. So sometimes discriminated people like the Irish, the gypsies, can also be classified as black. So that confuses things. Just two or three weeks ago, I did a program called Commemorating the African Jubilee Year 1987 to 88 at 30. People know about Black History Month, but they don't know how Black History Month got introduced here in the UK. It was predicated on something called the African Jubilee Year Declaration. Within that declaration, one of the things that they said was that council should henceforth from 1987 annually mark Black History Month. And it's about the contributions of Africa and Africans to world civilization, particularly to London, economically, politically, culturally. Mm-hmm. So we have people uh, saying we're doing Black History Month, Black History Month, and bringing everything in, face painting, bringing some Diwali and all that. No, it should be about the experiences of African. That is that space for BHM or what people like us call African History Month or African History Season. So language, Sarah, I'm sorry, I'm very particular about language. It is actually, no more, because... Um Language is words, and words have a lot of power because Indeed. words create. Indeed. And this is me going on to my wonderful, my son accuses me of spiritualizing everything. I can introduce spirituality into any conversation about anything. Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> and obviously when we talk about the, the African people, I don't know, maybe I am totally biased, but we tend to be very spiritual people. That is true. That is true. That is true. I think if there was sort of a graph of humanity, remember, I said there's just one human race, Mm. but if there was a graph of humanity from spirituality and on the other side, you have what's called technology, Mm. you find out that, yes, we are... That doesn't mean we haven't created great technologies, but in terms of spirit, yeah, we we are. Because the more, I think, you become technology-driven, the less spiritual you become because you think you've got the power to create your own world. So you have less time for the almighty or the creator you think you can do within your own power. So yeah, I think basically Africans tend to be earthy and with earthiness comes spirituality. I think it's the same for the Native Americans as well. Mm. So it's about what they call indigenous people, whatever the definition you have for indigenous people. But indigenous people tend to be more spiritual. Is there a reason for that? Obviously, I'm speaking to you now even as a yeah, historian. Yeah, because they, they, they are the, the first people. So the first peoples were more rooted to the earth. And as we develop and move on, people think, no, we don't need the earth. We can create our own stuff. We're going to talk about uh, what should I say, environment. And instead of using wood and uh, natural things, we create fibers and we create plastics and then we create all these situations. Picking up on, I can talk about Africans, but as I said, I'm 
of the human race as well. So I can talk about Native Americans. The Native Americans wanted to be at one with their with their surroundings. Mm -hmm. So they would use what was there naturally recycle things. And we have that in uh, also at indigenous African communities as well. Mm. So you're, um, what's the word, even as you speak, and I'm like, yeah, earthy, because the earthy things are the living things, and so you're connected with life, and when we manufacture things, we, we um, make things in the factory, there's an element of life that's missing. Of course. It's innate. Yeah, I mean, no. What we create is innate. It doesn't have any life in it. Yeah, it can do things. It, 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 it can be made cheap as well, but uh, no, it doesn't have that ethnicity and what you call organic. It's not organic. Could it be what creates, uh, creates that separation in terms of, we say in terms of, you know, the more, obviously, after you are, the more spiritual you tend to be. And as we become more technological, we're a bit far removed from the living. That's that the point I've made, yes. Yeah. Ah, I see. Very, very interesting. <laughs> right? No, it's actually very interesting. But um, sort of bringing it back as a historian and, and I think probably the, the, the question around spirituality and the origin, I have to be very careful about the word I choose in terms of sure. like the the human race originating from Africa. Yes. Right? And sort of bringing the question of religion, especially from people of the African continent of people of black people and... African heritage. African heritage. People yeah. of African heritage. And kind of the whole thinking around Christianity. Yeah. Right? And how it's almost seen, I've struggled with that myself, how it's seen as a white man's religion, right? And it's like a question of like, you know, we, we saw, what was that film that came out with the Wakanda business, yes, right? Yes, yes. And ancestral Black worship, Panther. Black Panther and the ancestral worship and all of that. And it's like, how far removed is the African way of worship and Christianity? Well, they, it need not be separated or removed, but you've got to be careful about perspectives. You talked about ancestral worship. When you see all these statues, you go to Trafalgar Square, you see all these statues, what, what do they represent? Isn't there some sort of uh, linking to, 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 to people's ancestors as well? But you were made to say that when you're looking at your ancestors, it's negative. We've got centuries of uh, indoctrination that we've got to resort out in our minds because Africans are the first to look down their own things. Every society has got positive and negative. So I'm not saying that everything in Africa is perfect. No, no. Mm -hmm. But sometimes the way we view things is not coming from an African perspective, but a Europeanized perspective. Because to be educated, mm -hmm. it's a very, uh, you have to be Western. So you have to see things from a Western lens. Even when you, Sometimes you're not aware of it. So some of our things we look down on it because, oh, it's so far removed from the Western way of doing things. So you just ask um, Carter G. Woodson, you know, we've got to look at the, the, the mind, the miseducation of the Negro or the miseducation of the African. It's not whether you have a PhD or, or, or MA. You can have all the, those and still be so far removed from your own humanity of, of, of being an, of an African.
Mm. So I'm sorry, uh, it's about uh, my mindsets. But anyway, coming back to religion, why should uh, the way we do things be, Africa, be at uh, a dissonance with Christianity? It need not be. Obviously, there are some people who have a faith that is at odds with Christianity. In Europe as well, we've got devil worshippers and stuff. So all, not all Europeans are in, 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 uh, in what should I say, in balance with Christianity. They've got different faiths and stuff, right? So mm. what I was just trying to pick up is that let's be mindful that Africa is a wide uh, breadth of human beings and faiths and, and stuff. There are people who profess to be Christians. There are people who profess other faiths. But even the things that we do traditionally need not be at odds, but it's like voodoo. I'm going to say I'm an expert on voodoo, but sometimes the perception we have of voodoo is what Hollywood has told us is so negative. Mm. Have we gone into investigate to see whether there are any positives out of it? And from those advocates of voodoo, they turn the positive. But because we've seen Hollywood and we haven't had an independent uh, analysis of voodoo, voodoo, we, we shy away from it. Because it may, oh, the stuff that the black man, or in those, I'm talking about the Hollywood movies, the black man used to kill the white man, or all that kind of, of, of rubbish. I'm saying that it's time we start looking at things from an African lens. And yes, if there's something we ought to be critical of, we ought to be critical and, and be up for it. I'm not saying everything about Africa is correct or fine, absolutely not. But I'm saying the lens from which we look at the things has to be looked at. I could just say an amen. And on that note, we're going to have a short music break. We'll colorful, be right colorful, Sarah Lister on Colorful Radio. Lift up our hearts to be 
Lister. It's your faith matters with your ever smiling host Sarah Lister, and in the studio with me is Kwaku, and he goes by that name. Actually, Kwaku, why do you only go by that name? It's a good question. Uh, obviously, I've got other names, but to be honest, that's the only African name I have. And uh, my wife says often that I am late. I'm not always late, but she's a stickler for punctuality. But I have great value in my time. Mm. So earlier on when I started as a journalist, um, what should I say? I used to name it, probably wasn't obvious I was African. And I noticed that I have to be upfront with my Africanness. Either you can do with me as an African or not. So by using Kwaku, it's unequivocal African. So you know that, okay, I can do business with this guy or not. Because I don't like my time wasted. So mm. I just use the only African name I have. Very interesting. Very interesting. But it's a lovely name though. Thank you. Yes. And I like the stand as well. And I'm going to bring the conversation back to, uh, we're talking about um, about the Christianity and the African people way of belief. And I, I brought up the whole ancestral worship. And you brought some very important points that I think sometimes we fail as a people to think for ourselves. The information is right in front of us. And when sometimes we buy a faith or we buy something, we so believe in it, we're blind to even what is right in front of us. And sort of you go around London, there's statues everywhere. You go to New York and you go to another big city. They will raise statues for the, the people they celebrate, right? In the same way, the Africans would remember their ancestors, right? This took me a long time to realize. And I actually never thought about the statues because as a Christian, I believed in the Bible. So that you just raised something. It's like, wow, we're still erecting statues, which means... We're looking up to these people. Of course, of course, yes, yes. And I think one of my questions, what actually started my journey was to ask, what was wrong with the way the Africans worshipped or my people worshipped, right? And the one thing that I've had uh, really negative feedback on, even from African Christians, is ancestral worship. And when I looked at my Bible, right, I realized I see the God of Abraham. The, I don't know Abraham. And I'm sure somewhere within his thingy, <laughs> right? Mm. He is. And I will call the God of like Isaac, Jacob. These are somebody else's ancestors. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yes. I was just like, whoa. Mm. Really? Mm. I've, I've been mm. doing ancestral worship but somebody mm. else's mm. ancestors. Mm. Maybe they're mine somewhere, mm. right? But yet, I almost despise calling my own ancestors. And I slapped myself because mm. I realized, oh my goodness, can you imagine that? Well, I mean, colonialism was about giving you a mindset that suited the colonizer. And we've invited over our centuries that has come so much in our DNA that uh, we see things as we've been so-called trained to see things, which is very much uh, a European mindset. Let me, uh, we talked about names. Mm-hmm. People talk about Christian names. And Felicity. What's that called with Christian? So it's like names. People in Africa say, oh, that's my Christian name. Maybe the difference between a biblical name, but often what they call Christian names are European names. So 
I, I go to Ghana quite a few times, and I notice that either people have got mostly European names, or if they, they have an African name, it will be the second. So it would be John, Kwashi, whatever it, it, it is. Mm. And I think, I, I mentioned that we're in the international decade for people of African descent. Mm. I think it's about time we start looking at a whole raft of things, and that includes even how we name our, our, our children and what names to put forward. I know in this country there was a debate, and okay, there's... Um, empirical evidence that if you, you make ap- job applications, you go an African sounding name, you're at the back, you don't, you, you don't get called back. Mm. But is the way to do it to start using just European names? Because some people are, are doing that. I think in the long run, it doesn't help us. It may help individuals, mm. but as a movement, it does not move us forward. Mm. We have to f- push back against that notion that you see an African name and then you're not looking at, at, at the mirrors and call people for what it, it, it says, which is racism. Or in fact, you know something, I'm going to introduce you to a new word. I'm not even going to talk about racism. It's what I call Afrophobic or Afrophobia. Afrophobia, Afrophobia. is a specific anti-African racism. So you see, racism is quite wide. You can have racism against lots of different people, mm. but we need to start talking because recently we talked about Islamophobia, we talked about anti-Semitism, then other forms of racism. What other forms of racism? The most the people who face the brunt of racism and racial discrimination are people of African heritage. We go start be more specific and say, just like the Jews use anti-Semitism, we use Afrophobia. And I say Afri, not Afro, because in UN documents, they spell it with an O. I say O is talking about a hairstyle. We should link it more to Africa by spelling with an I. So we should be talking Afrophobia. That's racism specifically against Africans and things to do with Africa. Mm. So you thought we were going to talk about faith and we're now going into a language lesson, haven't we? <laughs> no, actually, it's very interesting because all these things are linked, right? Because a lot of, if you go to Africa, maybe majority Christians, right? But we don't, while we follow the faith so faithfully, we really don't know much about our own history. Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. I'm a third generation Christian. So third generation meaning my grandmother, right? My maternal grandmother, who, I don't know, maybe got married in 1920s or probably 1900s, whatever, right? A long time ago. She got married in church, in a Christian church. So my mother was raised a Christian. And I'm the third generation, which means when I was growing up, any kind of African history that you normally, because obviously it used to be oral, passed down, I didn't have any of that. Mm. So people, what's your culture? I said, well, I know bits and bobs, but the real history, like children and parents, past grandparents, Mm. right? Totally lost. Because Christian, so I only know Christianity. I only knew what the Bible says. Okay, there's Christianity, but there's also a Westernized point of view as well. So most of us in the colonies, or former colonies, have also got a Westernized education. So we can tell you about Big Ben and tell you about London, but we can't tell you much about Nairobi or Accra or much less the villages outside of the capitals. Mm-hmm. Because even though we, in, in quotes, became independent, 
our textbooks were so very Eurocentric and 30, 50 years on, they haven't moved that much forward. So mm. it's a convergence between both Christianity, which uh, has been Westernized, and Western ideology or Western view- viewpoint. So that's why we have children born in Africa who can't speak their mother tongue. Because, oh, yes, education means you should be speaking English or French or whatever. It's, uh, no, it, no, it's because it's a new... I, I grew up in Africa, so when I talk, I'm talking about my grandmother. I'm talking my grandmother in the village, in the bush somewhere in Africa, right? That's, I'm not talking about having been born here, got married. No, Africa in the bush, not in the city. Mm-hmm. And my mother being born of that and being raised a Christian, being raised about the things you don't eat and you eat like like really truly biblical stuff and all sin and all these things which means when i was growing up i did not know about or i knew about the the way people used to worship and it was bad and it was evil and it was of the devil but i don't know what it was Mm-hmm. Because the I was so being, far removed from no, it. No, no, don't get involved in anything African. It's heathen, whatever. Yes, it's yes, negative. Yes, so yes, yeah. you don't even have to investigate it. It's bad, full stop. Yeah. So it's almost like you cannot, in, in my book, right, you cannot talk about, because obviously you're an African historian. Well, I don't know, African historian. You, you, you deal around, you know, like African history. Black history is deeper. And you cannot do that and do it justice without looking at the way of worship. Well, uh, in, in my opinion, no, 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 I, I understand. I mean, our uh, faith and our uh, religion are intersecting in, in different ways, but let me just throw something because often, uh, we talk about religion and people. In fact, in America, a lot of people went to a nation of Islam because they thought that was the white man's religion, but they forget that before transatlantic enslavement, mm-hmm. there was a trans-African enslavement which was run by the Arabs mm-hmm. who, were, who were Muslims. Yep. So you're practic- practically going from one colonial, co- colonizer to the other. They forget that bit. Secondly, they say oh, Christianity is a white man's faith. And i like to throw just a little story in that. Do you know that uh, well before Rome had decided that it's going to make Christianity, uh, they're going to stop killing the, 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 the Christians and accept Christianity, Ethiopia had declared uh, Christianity as a national uh, faith. We're talking about the, the, the early 4th century. By the time they, they, they were in, uh, what was it, Constantinople, talking about the, the, the creed, the, the Nicene creed, Ethiopia knew about Christianity on the verge of making it its na- na- national Christianity. So Christianity has been Africa much, much longer. Also, this is something I only talk about things that I've, I've really sort of studied. So I'm just going to mention it. So I, I'm giving the proviso that I'm mentioning this. I don't know because I haven't studied it. But there are those that say the whole point of Africa is actually a mirror of things that happen Centuries before uh, Horus, the child in the manger that we have for Jesus and all that, that's all in Egypt. That's Mm. what uh, people say. Like I said, it may or may not be true. I have not studied, but you got the iconography of a child in the manger, Mary and the the child, Horus and his mom and all that. It's all in uh, Ethiopian history that predates... uh, what should I say? Israel Christianity. And, and, and Christianity. Say, yeah, yeah. And I think obviously um, a 
not um i study a lot and i've obviously studied that because i think we're living at the information age and you know anything my listeners anything you hear here that challenges your thinking that challenges your faith it's really down to you to go and find out because Indeed. the information is, is you know is there and it, we can't just be people that almost blindfolded follow today is a very different time right we're living in the information age sure it's it's out there accessible sure. Sure. and i have studied that and the first time i have to say i was offended how dare they actually try and say that you know madonna and child like actually comes from egypt but i mean it's there it's it's written i mean you can see because obviously the, the egyptian history they used to do a lot of drawing there's a lot of art to depict what was going on at the time and actually it's actually quite shocking okay. so as i say you know i don't have i'm not a historian as such i just study things especially things around christianity and the origins of things how things have evolved over time i study that because it's, it's of interest to me okay so you're not saying anything out of turn and okay. anybody interested can go and find out sure, sure because i think um i don't know whether it's as sort of christian people we like to take offense very quickly I, I don't know why we get really... If, any, if anybody says anything that challenges anything in the Bible, we just take offense. Yes, yes. It's yeah. not healthy. <laughs> You're right. It isn't healthy. And as you said today, unlike uh, decades gone by, uh, you can, if you want to really uh, open your mind, do that research uh, from, from the comfort of, of, of your home because information is there. Obviously, what I'd say is that just be careful of the internet because, you know, you've got to check the veracity because there's stuff purporting to be true that aren't true and they sound like very genuine. So you got to corroborate some of the information. But by and large, the world's truth is easily accessible on, online. And I know because I think Christians generally feel comfortable in the silo of the church and they have a problem in engaging with people that are outside the church or notions that seem to be going against the dogma that they, 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 go, they go by. I think uh, true Christians should be open to be challenged and they, that, in fact, makes you a better Christian in some way, just like in academia, uh, you have to challenge things and uh, things have got to be rigorous. I think for Christians as well, you shouldn't be comfortable just reading your Bible and think that is it. If someone is not a Christian is challenging you, that is an opportunity to show what you know. Mm. So it should not necessarily be a negative thing. I'm loving this. I am loving this. We're going to have another short music break when we get back. We're going to pick up from there, but we're going to touch on the environment. Colorful, and colorful, Sarah colorful, 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 colorful radio. radio.
Sarah Lister. Welcome back. Welcome back in the studio with me is Kwaku and we're talking about God, African, the people, history, and we're going to go on to the environment. And we're talking about allowing yourself to be challenged. When you hear something that challenges your faith, do not take offense. Go and do your own study. Go and, what's the word called, validate. Go and check that information. You know, it's all there and form your own opinion other than just being blind to one thing. So we're going to just move this conversation on to the environment because I know you're a man of many talents. You know what? The Bible talks about the person with one talent, two talents, and five, right? And I always say the people with a lot, of course, more is expected of them. Yes. And you happen to be one of those people with many talents. Wow. (laughs) You're working, we say, it's almost like you have a huge responsibility. So you talk about, obviously, the the black history or African history. I thought you can be mixing the two, right? And obviously, that's really broad. And... um, and I think I picked up that uh, the British Black Music Month, you yes, do that. that's June, July. June, July. You do the International Reggae Day. Which is July the 1st. I should introduce you to Sly, DJ Sly. Okay, I know DJ Sly. I know DJ Sly. He was just here not that long ago. Okay. DJ Sly. Um, and um, you also mentioned, obviously, you, again, writing the billboard. No, I used to. I used, used to be a columnist. Yeah, not you, anymore. No, yeah. And um, a little bit of gospel. Yes, I mean, uh, at some time, I, I used to be quite prolific as a writer. So I used to write for uh, some gospel magazines, uh, Cross Rhythms, and there were a few gospel magazines that came up and, you know, they survived for a little while went down. Yes, but I've always been of the world, so uh, I mean, I'm the secular world, so I do secular music, but also because I'm a Christian, whenever there was an p- opportunity to cover gospel music, I, I would. So sometimes there used to be a magazine called G Mark or Gargamel. I uh, did some gospel uh, reviews there. So, in fact, when I even had an R&B column in its very secular magazine called DJ Magazine, mm-hmm. whenever possible, uh, there were gospel artists doing something funky that you could dance on the on, on, on the dance floor, like new colors and uh, contemporary gospel artists. I'll put them in my my R&B column, even though it's, uh, it was uh, what shall I say a, sec- a secular magazine. Awesome, awesome. But one of the other things that you do, and um, I think this is what we're going to cover, is the environment. Indeed. And today, the environment, my word, we never used to take notice when people mentioned the environment, but Indeed. hey, things have... Uh... Uh, it's, it's crazy. Uh, I have to say, this is really driven by my wife. I mean, we've, we've been married for 20 years, and before I married her, she was doing environmental uh, well, should I say, she was involved in the environmental issue in, in, in her country, uh, Ghana, which is why I also come from the neighborhood. That's what I, I need to say. And she's continued it uh, whilst we were in London. And she's particularly concerned about what we call fly tipping. That's putting uh, goods on the pavement or on the streets, uh, this, you know, and also littering. So at the moment, we've got a campaign called uh, Taking a Stand Against Fly Tipping and Littering. 
And over the years, we've been doing the other hat I work, I wear working with my wife is called BTWSC. It stands for Beyond the Will Smith Challenge. And occasionally we do environmental projects under the It's Cool to Love. So you can say it's cool to love to recycle, it's cool to whatever. So the last project we did was called It's Cool to Love Where You Live, i.e. being comfortable with your environment. So that mm. means taking is- issue with fly tipping and littering. And we had, this is in Brent, and we had some 